Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Gridcoin Fireside, your podcast exploring distributed ledger technology and the scientific systems. We are here on the Gridcoin Discord server on Thursday, January 23rd, 8 p.m. EST. Everyone is welcome to join us every Thursday at 8 p.m. EST for a live discussion. If you have anything to say, bring in your mic or talk in the text chat and we'll bring what you say on the recording. I am Jay Ringo, joined today by the Gobble Popper down below. Yeah, hello. Did you just hear my printer growl? Was that a thing? I thought it was your stomach, but no. Oh, weird. On many levels. Uh, <laughs> Netflix is a fellow host here, but I think his mic is broken, so you can't hear him today. Uh, today we are talking about De- DeSci, Decentralized Science. Uh, some of you might have heard of DeFi, Decentralized Finance, in the blockchain space, where basically you're taking all the financial tools that banks have built over the many decades, <laughs> centuries that they have existed in a centralized, institutionalized fashion, and putting them onto a blockchain, essentially, where there is no middleman or anything. You can find quite a few of these um, implementations, I guess, of DeFi running primarily on the Ethereum blockchain. You've also got the MakerDAI. Uh, great resource. If you want to check it out, go to DeFiPulse.com. That will uh, give you some good stats on all the new DeFi stuff coming out. So DeSci, which is decentralized science, once again, is essentially the same exact concept except for the scientific system. So everything that DeFi is doing, we can do for the scientific system. So the way I would introduce this concept, I believe it's going to be easier if you want to understand and for you to come on board if you are not already in the scientific system and if you are already familiar with the uh, decentralized finance stuff coming on. But the way I think I would introduce it is through a stakeholder concept. So we here at Gridcoin run on a proof of stake system and that word stake means something. Is anyone, anyone get ideas on why it's called proof of stake? <laughs> I'm holding back my desire to make a joke about uh, that. Um, <laughs> because steak is delicious. Because steak is delicious. Uh, no, it's correct. Proof of stake. So, like, uh, uh, think of staking in terms of like staking your claim. Um, proof of proof of stake is pretty much a, if you're online, um, algorithmically, uh, you, you effectively claim interest. Is is more or less what it is. It is the simplest simplest form I can describe that as. Yeah, and it's the being online part is fairly important if we're going to move forward here. So when you're online, what Galvin's saying is you have your coins connected to the network, invested in that network in an active stake position. So you are uh, your your interests align with the long term success of the network at that point. The other sort of position you could have is a shareholder where Gridcoin used to reward shareholders and not stakeholders. A shareholder is someone who I could just buy GRC and hold it in a wallet and not connect it to the network. And then in that position, just thinking in terms of my mindset, I would have no actual investment in the long-term success of the network. I wouldn't have a stake in the system. I would have a share of the system. There's a certain amount of currency that exists. I have a share of that currency. And in our old system, we rewarded people for simply being shareholders in that if you had uh grc you would get interest on that grc and all you had to do is to to claim that interest is come on and lay down a stake for one block and that's a little technical but yep a hit and run basically that's exactly what it was 
Right. So it, that was that was silly uh, to be blunt about it. So we switched it, and we now reward stakers, people who have an active stake in the system. Because when you stake coins, you lock those coins up. So the value of those coins isn't just like I can go sell them at any point and buy a different currency and now be a shareholder of that currency. I am staking in this currency. I'm a stakeholder. That's the most yeah. critical thing, uh, J. Ringo, is that it prevents. Essentially, it's it's designed to prevent double spends. Right, and it's designed. Staking means you're committing the coins to the network for a certain amount of time, and they cannot be spent while they're while that's the case. And the total number of active coins that are in that state is contributes to the security of the network. That's the key. Absolutely, well said, Goblin. You going to say something there? Yeah, I was just going to say one one of the major other reasons that uh, it's important to switch to something where you're online to actually generate a stake as opposed like like you're online in order to, to have the percent chance to get it as opposed to generating it and then coming online and doing a hit, hit, hit and run is is really about the uh so i mean, we we i don't want to get too deep into it but just the way the blockchain works right even when you were not online in the old system you were generating grc that you just hadn't collected yet um so it, correct me if i'm wrong but it, it generated a lot of there could be a lot of dead coins unless you until you finally claim them right it presented that risk yes uh, it made it much more difficult to determine how many coins were actually in the network because yeah, how many were right, in for a long time? They were, and, yeah, yeah. there were potential because it was because uh, it was being generated based off your your amount like constantly. So so if you weren't coming online, if a, if a if a whale just suddenly never came online and, and never collected, there'd just be a ton of dead coins sitting on the network, and our absolutely. our best was, our best guess of circulation would just be you know you know jug a few percentages of of what the actual generation was right absolutely so the switch to cbr constant block reward provided uh several benefits that were not explicitly expressed in the uh proposal but there were a lot there that switch was very important uh and in the chat here sharknado uh says cold staking is coming absolutely cold staking is a really important technological advancement that i hope will come soon not to gridcoin specifically just to the crypto sphere in general because uh, it's a security thing, but at the same time, when you're cold staking, you're still reserving those coins in the network and expressing, you're using your money as an expression of stake in the system where you are investing in the long-term success of the network. You're not just speculative, uh, you're not just a shareholder, you're not just buying. And then it, it's a mindset thing, we're, it's a psychological thing we're getting at here. So shareholders, they can buy a share in a system, you can do it with stocks too, but they have no investment in that business or in that system. And they can sell those shares at any point and buy shares in another one. Uh, it's absolutely, it's very, uh, I don't know what word for it is, but it's not as, as rigid as a stakeholder where you buy a stake or express a stake in a system and you're there for the long term at that point. Uh, in the quote-unquote real world, you can think of a supply chain for stakeholders. If you are a supplier of hard uh, physical materials to Apple, you have a stake in Apple uh, in that if Apple fails, you no longer have someone to supply your materials to and you will also uh, get hurt from that. So you have a larger stake than someone who just bought shares in Apple. Uh, that's the difference between a stakeholder and a shareholder. So Decentralized finance is taking that concept and messing around with it in the financial world. So how do, who are the stakeholders in a financial system? How do you get them to express stuff without a middleman entity? How can you do this through cryptography, all that stuff? So we think there is a way to do that with a scientific system. And this is not 
uh, wishy-washy. This is not, this is like whatever. This is being done. This is being funded by uh, European commissions. This is being funded by universities and institutions. This is being funded by businesses. This is very likely going to happen. And I would very much like to see Gridcoin play a major role in shaping how decentralized science works. And I think one of the most basic levels uh, of the scientific system where it's easy to understand where decentralized science might play a role is through the peer review process. So uh, in a, when you're publishing a paper, who are the stakeholders in that process, right? Uh, so the stakeholders, um, I'm sure I'm going to get some of this wrong because this is just coming off the top of the head here. But stakeholders are uh, the publisher, the institution that has funded the publishing or the research. Uh, you have the reviewers and you... So when I said publisher first, it's the researcher, the researcher, the institution that funds the researcher, uh, the peer reviewers, and then the publisher. So the the magazine. All right. How does that system currently work? Currently, reviewers get nothing. They are they hold a stake in that system, but they don't get any reward for that. No incentive. They're anonymous. It's, it's weird how the peer review system works. Uh, there's no real reputation assigned to reviewers, uh, to name a few. Uh, the fund the the researcher ends up doing research. They are a primary stakeholder. <laughs> they end up doing research to f- fulfill the desires of the institution that funds them a lot of the time, or what they think the institution would do, uh, and or what the institution would want. That's not always the right thing to do. And a lot of the times they'll not they'll assume the institution or their funder wants one thing and then will do something based on that assumption and it's completely wrong. Like that's not what the researcher wanted or the, the funder wanted and everyone is not happy. Uh, the institution, uh, they collect money through donations or through taxes, and then they decide what to do with that money and they distribute it around and the publisher chooses quote unquote good articles. They cho they choose what makes a good article and they publish that article uh, based on a few people making decisions on what's a good article. Uh, so right off the bat, one of the most straightforward things that blockchain and cryptocurrency and all all this uh, crypto, uh, these ledgers based on cryptography that we've been talking about over the past couple of weeks, the most basic thing they can do for that stake system is give uh, peer reviewers an actual stake in the system. Give them reputation, give them an incentive to review articles and review it well. Give Create a process by which reviewers themselves can be reviewed by other reviewers. You know, you, you create this, what would be a massive bureaucracy if you didn't have the blockchain. But because you're doing it in a cryptographic way with computers, you don't need a massive bureaucracy of a decentralized ledger. So we can do that now. That would be amazing. All of a sudden, you will actually be peer reviewing papers with people worthy of peer reviewing in that field. And people will be able to make careers out of that without having to go through an educational process. (laughs) Well said, Sharknado. Well said. Uh, So what's another part of that? and as an aside here, because I forgot to go over the history of how this current system go, started out, this, the current system, which I just described, going from an institution, starts at an institution, ends at an institution, and there's a really weird bureaucracy in the middle, is at this point ancient. It started in the 1400s, developed through the 1500s, and then just kind of people um, clamored along, and we ended up where we are now. There wasn't much foresight put into it because we were working with really uh, new stuff. Science was fairly new at that point. Uh, so we just ended up with these centralized institu- institutions based on essentially logic. You know, 
the people who did science, there were very few of them at first. So they gathered around each other. They talked about stuff. They were like, let's do more science. Let's build a college. So they built some colleges and then those centralized. And then a couple more colleges came out. You get a network of institutions like that. And then, all right, all the scientific money ends up in those pl- er, those places just by that's the way things happened. Um, so th- it's not saying the current system is evil or maleficent or anything like that. It's just it's time to move forward. So <laughs> we now have a digital world. There's no need to run on these old antiquated processes anymore. We can build brand new ones based on a brand new technology The in the same way that science originated based on some brand new technologies that came out of the time. So th- this is not crazy stuff. And when you're a stakeholder in the current system, you're going to defend that current system because you generally benefit out of it. And I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but that's just the way it works. In any system, if you're a stakeholder of the legacy finance system, you're going to defend that until you're really proven, you're really convinced that the new system's going to work. If you're a stakeholder in Bitcoin, you're going to defend Bitcoin until it's zero dollars. That is, is, that's just the way humans work, in my opinion. So if you are in the current academic system, open your mind a little bit and also understand that the stuff that is being built that is not coming from Gridcoin, that is coming out from major institutions and governments who are funding open science and decentralized science, um, are uh, from the academic institutions themselves. So let's see, we talked about peer review. I will leave a break here actually before we go any further in how we might decentralize the scientific system, uh, if anyone wants to get a word in. Okay, so we went to peer, we did peer review. That's a very straightforward area of the current system to understand on how we might decentralize it. And it is very, uh, by my understanding, there's a general consensus within the scientific realm that the current peer review system and incentive system sucks. Uh, impact factors are ridiculous. The requirement to, or the incentive to get people to just publish, 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 publish is ridiculous. The idea that we can only do good science out of institutions is ridiculous. A lot of scientific discoveries come from people not in institutions, and then they get brought into an institution to continue their science. So let's go there. The the institution part of it. Why can't we make a system where expertise is not ruled by a few people in ivory towers? Why can't we make a system where expertise is defined by a network um, in a P2P system? So peer-to-peer system. So uh, hmm. do I want to use Pirate Bay as an example here? Yes. <laughs> uh, let's use GitHub. So, so in- Pirate Bay. <laughs> in in things like the pirate bay, or in, when you pirate software, you gain a reputation reputation for pirating software and being a good a provider of good software without any nonsense injected into the download. In the same way, so that's a P2P system that's completely not institutionalized. Uh, there were stuff like what CD where they were centralized, and when those went down, it's a big deal. Like, but if you just have magnet links and trackers and all this stuff, then you have a pretty resilient system where expertise is defined based on uh, handle online uh, and doing good work. Uh, Essentially, other people vouching for you based on the work you've done. Same thing is true in more legitimate arenas like GitHub and open source software development, where you, uh, if you look at uh, blockchain developers right now, a lot of them are the the very well-known ones that are getting like uh, trying to get poached by big companies to come work for them and develop their blockchains. They are getting poached because they are able to say, I worked on this project and that project and that project since the beginning of cryptocurrency, essentially, since the first protocol. So they have developed a reputation. No one said they are an expert in blockchain software. They didn't go to school for it. They didn't do anything. 
accept work on blockchain software and get really, really good at it. So that is a great example of what the future scientific system might look like if we build a decentralized system. Uh, when we build a decentralized system, us or someone else. Um, it, again, it's going to happen. Uh, I'll give you some examples at the end of this. But uh, so defining expertise, that would be a great place for uh, decentralization in the scientific world. Funding science, uh, in a, uh, actually in the Boeing community, they are trying to find ways to fund maintenance and uh, just sort of general upkeep of the Boink software. Uh, you can't get a grant for that, it turns out, because grants like super sexy things, and most super sexy things are new and fresh and shiny. Or well, <laughs> Oh, Nice. Thank you. So, so why is that a thing? Boink is most, uh, many distributed computing projects run from many large institutions run on Boink. Boink is old and cumbersome, but it needs to be maintained. Linux is old and cumbersome, but it needs to be maintained. The way Linux maintains itself is through funding from large institutions. So these large institutions control a lot of what Linux does. A lot of people in the cryptocurrency space, uh, we've said it here, complain about Blockstream and how they can hold um, Bitcoin hostage in a way because they pay developers. So people develop what they pay for. Uh, same thing works for science. People... Boink should be able to get funding to maintain itself. A lot of these just projects themselves, these Boink projects themselves, should be able to get funding to maintain themselves. But the current funding infrastructure says that in order to do that, you have to belong to a university. You have to belong to a company who will then tell you what to do, essentially. You can't just build an open source system or an open source project and have it funded and get a grant for it. You can start an open source project like Boink did back in the late 90s and get funding to start the new sexy thing. But once it's done, we're going to say we funded your development and we're going to check that off our box and use it to convince someone else to get funding from us so that we can check that off our box and you know build our own centralized uh, reputation. So if we were able to build a decentralized funding mechanism where a network chooses uh, and those institutions, that's go, those governments can be part, those grant providers can be part of the network, but they are not the sole players. That's the main part. That's what decentralization is. It's not burn the old, it's decentralized. <laughs> it's in the word. Um, so if we're able to build that sort of funding structure, think about the things we'll be able to maintain without undue or without over overpowering influence by central entities with a purse, the power of the purse. Um, that is a great place for decentralization in the scientific system. Peer review, expertise, funding, uh, incentives. How can you uh, decentralize incentives? Uh, I wish we had some of the people here with mics who actually write papers regularly. Uh, but the, the the current incentives, by my understanding, is publish, 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 because you want to get your impact factor really. You want the impact factor really high for your paper. You want to get it cited, and the more you, the more papers it's, it's you na- have. It's brand recognition, right? Like so. Exactly. So so as an example, um, so I went to I went to uh, the college. I went to uh, the economics department. Uh, so I got a degree in economics, and the economics department was not super well known for a lot of stuff. It, it was good. It, it actually had some 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 very well published individuals, but it wasn't like really well known. So what actually what happens in some departments, such as an economics department for schools that are trying to make more of a name for themselves, um, what'll happen is that uh, that department will hire people 
who are expected to teach a couple classes, but more importantly, they're supposed to spend most of their time and resources on publishing papers. And while publishing their papers, they're supposed to reference the school or, or make sure that it's like, oh, that person works for this X school, right? So papers academically at this point, at least not, not to make a blanket statement, but papers, uh, research papers can be a, a pretty much an advertisement um, in many ways, or, or a way to get more brand recognition for a school, a, a, a facility, right? I mean, like Ford, like the car company releases general like statistics on, on people and, and like the population. Why? Right. Random companies. <laughs> no, no. Like, have you seen it? It's no, like, you're it's like, a great question. <laughs> like Ford, like Ford's like, oh, millennials are more depressed than, it. than anyone else. And it's like, Ford, you make cars. Who asked you? Right. And, and the answer is, well, you know, they do a lot of advertising, but hey, now, now if now if anyone who's doing writing a paper on like a sociology on like the general uh, mood of individuals, it'll be like, oh, referenced in Ford, uh, you know, 20, 2019, right? So you you see these um, you see these very interesting styles. To your point about referencing, about brand recognition, it's almost it's it's like permanent advertisement, right? It's like because uh, your name gets in there in, into another paper as a reference and and so on and so forth. So yeah, I don't, I, I, I agree. Right. And, and for a lot of schools, it, it comes down to, or a lot of institutions, it comes down to um, relevancy, I think is the best word. Correct. I, I agree with you so much. And to sum it up in, uh, you agree so two, hard, two, two words, three words, hold on, three words, maybe one of them siphoned it. It's absolute bullshit. The current system uh, it is in, it, it's ridiculous. The, it is the end of a hundreds of year old process that just can't move forward anymore. So you have to adapt. You have to change the system. And many, many, many people, governments, institutions, and corporations see and recognize this and are putting buttloads of money into changing it because the the uh, catalyst for the change is going to do fairly well. Uh, and we have the technology to change it now. People have been... The, trying to change this system for a very long time and it's been very difficult because the, the technology was not there the internet was like cool we can open access some stuff we can open data some stuff but at the end of the day you're still fighting against the system open access is an incremental change in a system that is dying uh so now we have this new technology that doesn't just mean this old thing is going to die. It means we can build a brand new thing from the bottom up with intention. Uh, of course, you don't see the full intention of what you're building, but you're not. we're not just operating as a few people who just decided to become a scientist and then built schools and then built networks and then built funding structures, etc. We are able to really play with incentives and uh, system dynamics in a very complex way to create some pretty cool stuff. Uh, so yeah, Goblin, well said. <laughs> Darn right. Uh, I contribute to these things. <laughs> so we did peer review. We did the funding structures. We did the the um, uh, incentive structures. We were just rallying on about uh, what else? The publishing structure. We, we there was another structure in there. We completely we we covered and I just forgot already. But the publishing structure. Uh, why? As honest question, why do we need publishing houses anymore? What do you mean in terms of like like publishing to like fund books? You mean why does New Scientist need to exist or Nat National Geographic? They're just brands at this point. We don't need them to in, to serve the purpose they used to. They used so, to go out and find good science and publish a good science, and now all they want to do is enhance their brand and sell more magazines because they're in a flooded market at the end of a system. So 
I partially agree. I think I think in organization, I think what what you gain with that kind of level of organization is similar to what you gain in a uh, well, the one major benefit you gain gain in a capitalistic uh, society is distribution scope, right? Like if you if you actually have a really good product, it, it requires a larger organization in most cases to be able to properly distribute it um, and and manufacture it. So so if National Geographic was as good as they used to be, or or Science Mag was. Um, uh, I, I don't know science, so I can't really even comment on that. But like, I know national. I mean, like, if you think of the History Channel as if, uh, like, let's assume the History Channel was was like magazine, right? I mean, is Ice Road Truckers history? Does that exactly. make sense to be on there? <laughs> is is like you know? So so I I one hundred percent agree that it's becoming much more of a like we're here to get we're here to get viewers, and History Channel just happens to be our name one hundred percent. Um, but, but I do believe that there is still a use for a company of that size and scope, um, if they still had the purpose they originally had, which is to do a good job distributing history and making history content, right? Um, uh, because yeah. not too many other organizations can pay for or get the advertisement deals to stay on the air and pay the individuals and the scientists on and the actually air, make the shows. I, I'm agreeing with you until then, because who the hell needs to stay on the air anymore? The, the generation coming up, when you're building a system like this, you're not thinking about the immediate context. We're talking about 10, 15 years down the road. The generation coming up doesn't watch TV. They, watch, they consume media in a different way. For God's sake, at CES, they just released a TV that when you push a button, turns from what looks like a TV to what looks like a phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> But to your point about the, the role yeah, they play. So- I, I will – sorry, I apologize to cut you off. But I, I will push back really hard on that because, I mean, I live in, 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 in a condo association with a lot of old people. Like our, our news our, – our monthly newsletters about the general status of things actually include, um, actually include uh, comments on how to do things. If you do, like, it's like, oh, if you have this problem, email this person. If you don't have email or don't have a computer – because to say that – to say that hey we don't need TVs or or things on the air anymore um, because they, because people don't really watch anymore I maybe it's a little far to say this but that's very ageist that's that's very that or that yeah. not age ageist but age age like gating right within that there's probably people in their sixties seventies plus who yeah there's I know a lot of people in their seventies who could walk circles around me in technology right but but there's also a larger group in in their sixties seventies eighties nineties especially who don't own a computer they don't have uh they don't have email right so, I used to, yeah so yes but when you're building a system particularly a scientific system i love my grandma i don't care about their about her when it comes to doing science most science is done in your 20s so when you're building a sci- a new scientific system for 20 year olds to go out and do really cool science uh awesome you don't think about the 60 78 year old who has trouble doing a- email uh, you're building a system for the future, not for the people who can't uh, handle the, the new technology. Because that's going to be us one day. We're going to be like 70 or 80 or 90 and be like, oh, the hell are these dudes doing quantum quantum texting? But the, the point, <laughs> point... Quantum skateboarding <laughs> with their quantum rock and roll. Uh, so go, going back to your other point, though, which I thought was, was really good, the, the role of National Geographic. I think if you change what you call them from company to node, I, uh, it becomes easier to digest for someone uh, do, thinking along the lines of that I'm thinking. So they're not a company that is a filter when, they're, when they become a node. They're no longer a filter. When you decentralize something, you make it so they don't need to do 
all that nonsense they're doing with like ice road truckers or whatever else they do, uh, space aliens and just that one guy sitting there. But the it lets them focus on what they want to do, cool history stuff. I d- yeah, hopefully that's what they still want to do. There's someone there who still likes history, but the and you decentralize it so other people can come into the market because when you have this highly centralized in uh, industry ba- or uh, institution based system, what happens is these institutions get really big and then no one else can enter the arena because they get bought out or they just get crushed really quick. So if you build a system where it's a little more fluid, uh, I. I think you will stop having to be a brand uh, to some level, which already is just the fact that you have to become a brand talks talk just on a, a couple like late stage capitalism things where it, that, that system cannot persist, just cannot sustain itself. And at a moral level, it cannot persist. So the when you, when you get rid of that need to be a brand, you open up a whole new world of exploration and discovery, especially when you're talking about science. Uh, so it's... The question was, why does like National Geographic need to exist anymore? They don't need to anymore. They used to need to exist. There was a market need for them. Someone needed to collect all the research and then publish it and then distribute it. Exactly like you said. There's no real need for someone to do that anymore. People can do that in a very fluid way. I could go online, read a bunch of articles, collect the ones I like, put them out in my own J. Ringo publishing thing. And then... Um, that would be my sort of publishing. I would build a reputation based on that. Goblin could go out and do his own curation way, create his own way, and that would be his uh, curation mechanism. We don't. There's so much stuff out there, and there's so much access to it now that we don't need a central entity to go out and do all that work for us anymore. But they still have a role to play. They're just going to need to adapt. Uh, so. I still don't think I don't, there's an answer I don't, to the question, why do they need to exist? They don't need to anymore. They can. Uh, I, I mean, they need to exist as, at the very least in a transitory period. Do, do you have the software to re- – uh, do, do you have this method, distribution methods ready to work tomorrow? I mean, they, they need to exist for, at the very least, um, the the transitory um, period in which we would we would have to move to this like newer system. Right. I again. I don't like where they've gone. I don't like what they've become because, to your point, they've become much more of a what draws the most attention as opposed to back in like what the late late nineties, early two thousands when the History Channel even even if it was weird shows and was like this is weird like the like the like the alien shows and the but you know what it was like they actually got specialists on to talk about that stuff and it, it was it was so weird it was so unnecessary but at least it was like researched and then it slowly went from that into ice road truckers or like the deadliest catch right which is still fun to watch don't get me wrong but that's the thing it's fun to watch i don't feel like i'm really learning much or i'm not i don't feel like it's anything history based other than it happened 3 months ago and is only airing now right so i still think they have a purpose in their in their ability to distribute information i just think that what they've morphed into and what they're distributing is 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 more or less the problem also, I very highly disagree with you on the on the don't care about your grandma. Everyone has a place <laughs> in science uh, and its contribution of it. If a system does not allow for contribution from every member of society into it, or or allow for members to contribute if they so desire, then it's flawed in my opinion. I'll I agree with you, and we'll get to that in a bit. That's the Do, that part. doesn't mean it needs to be developed in 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 the in the in the point of grandma needs to be able to do it, but 
it needs to be developed with something in mind of a mechanism should be able to be latched onto the side of this to allow them to at least help, even if it's a donation mechanism or something. Right. So that's incredibly different from what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the system by wrong. which science is done. Okay. I will accept it. Yeah. The system okay, by which si- it. science is done is should be built for the people who do science on a very high level, which is our young people in their 20s. So- Okay, I, I do think Sharknado brings up a wonderful counterpoint that yeah, I've yeah. heard more than once here. So uh, he says that he would be fear, fearful of dark science, and that's implying that um, in a system where science is not controlled by institutions and centralized entities, uh, then more people would do it under the radar. Uh, currently, a lot of science is done under the radar. Uh, you can get CRISPR kits for just like a couple tens of dollars and go and just okay. genetically do random nonsense. Okay. You have have yeah. you seen this? Have you seen those videos like of the guy doing CRISPR kits? That guy's insane. Because that I know guy is about. insane, but there's a it's lot of people just, doing it. He's just no, the, the, okay. The guy, the it's front. not like real CRISPR. Okay, yeah, you can get a cheap science kit. If anyone doesn't know, like CRISPR is about like editing DNA, and the guy is like, I'm gonna make myself strong. So it takes. He like edits DNA, which you can do very cheaply to be very, very clear. Like you can do it, but he, he lacks the ability to actually do anything other than create a test tube of it. And then he injects it into his arm, which does nothing because it's, it's just liquid with different DNA. And then he's probably just going to get like an itchy rash and then like you pee it out. So it, it's, I don't That guy's insane. I, it, that's, I agree, but there's also a lot of other people doing it. He's just the one who got a documentary made on him. So, but there, there's plenty of dark science going on. Uh, institutions do research that you don't see about. Governments do research that you don't see about. If you're able to put funding for research on a transparent distributed ledger, you can follow the money. So that in my so i still fight with this argument internally uh, myself but in my current view i guess if you have the ability to track where the money goes transparently through a distributed ledger which is something that is built into distributed ledgers then you're going to have a system of science where there is less dark science think about all the research that goes on in the department uh uh wow darpa uh, what are they researching? Who knows? Uh, there's plenty of trade secrets with companies. Uh, all, all this stuff, it, like <laughs> uh, Kodak, like the way they developed chemicals to trend, to uh, develop film was dark science until you know they developed it. And excellent, excellent use of dark Kermit the Frog. Very top notch use of that. Uh, Topical. So right. Shark. Have a nice night. Good night, man. Thanks for joining. Um, I think that is an excellent point. And like I said, I'm still struggling with it internally and having ongoing discussions with other people uh, who are much more knowledgeable than me on it. But I think that is a small challenge compared to the other challenges we will have with new system. Uh, so the last point here, uh, and, and Shark, come back with me. You, you also contradicted yourself. You brought up examples of dark science, MK Ultra, and what was the other one? The Mo- Project Monarch and, and all that stuff. So it's an interesting, interesting conversation for sure. Um, so come back if you have any other ideas on how you're thinking about that way. Wow, great sentence. <laughs> the last uh, part of this uh, tirade, I suppose, uh, beyond the structures that would be decentralized uh, in a new scientific system where we accept that this is happening at a high level through massive amounts of funding from governments and venture capitalists and institutions and companies um, is the concept of stake that we talked about in the beginning. These, I, I'm not fully... Uh, comfortable talking about the stake system in the scientific system because it's very convoluted uh, to someone who's not deep in it. 
Other people I know are much more comfortable talking about it. I can't translate what they say, though. So from my side, it's an educational point. So I'm at, to, to that point, I guess, before I move forward to the education part, we could change the stakeholder, the way the stakeholder uh, relationship works in the scientific system. Who has stake in specific research that's going on and how does that stake uh, monetize itself? But from an educational standpoint, um, in the current scientific system, on a general level, the general population does not have any stake in science that's happening whatsoever. Uh, so science is generally constrained, restrained, what have you, to the institutions and people who are already scientists, people who go through a very lengthy and arduous process to become stakeholders in the system, to become PhD candidates and get their PhD, etc., Science is constrained to them. And once they get into that arena, they generally do not talk to the general public. So that creates a pretty nasty system where all of a sudden you have people who don't believe in vaccines, don't believe the earth is round, don't believe in anything a scientist says. That seems counterproductive to why someone went through that arduous process. They went through there to make science, to make people's lives better, but then that disconnect is insane once they get there. So if you're able to build a system, and this is one reason why I love Boink so much. Boink is a system like what I'm about to describe. If you're able to build a system where you get the general population to become a stakeholder in the science, they are they learn more. Everyone learns more. The scientist learns how to communicate their science better. The person uh, gets to learn about science. And Boink does it magnificently. Uh, the person contributing computing power wants to know what their computing power is going to so they learn about it and then just using DHAP as an example you get to see what the reaction is when a project fails so like oh i really love that project i had put so much work into doing the work for that project so much contribution computation into that project and now it's gone it's a visceral feeling for that person and you can also see it when a uh, boink project releases a paper oh, this is awesome. I was involved in doing this research. I put so much computation power to this project. I feel like I, I am part of this process. And I've also learned what a microbiome is. I've also learned uh, what weather patterns are doing because of climate change, et cetera, et cetera. The, the benefits of getting a general population to have a stake in the scientific system uh, are very, very high. In my opinion. Uh, and the, the detriment to having them have no stake in the system are uh, catastrophic. So if we have the opportunity to decentralize institutions and all these things that keep the general population out, and in so doing, bring the general population into the scientific uh, system, why the hell wouldn't we do it? It is, seems like a kind of a no-brainer. Uh, yeah. So also, you know, once you get money involved, uh, like if you're able to track the money, people will track the money and keep scientists honest and hopefully keep things out of the dark world. But at the end of the day, there's always going to be people doing stuff underground. Yeah. And you know what, Shark? Even to your point that you're continuing in the, in the chat here, even sometimes... Uh, I guess light science is pretty messed up, but there's no one that will stop it because no one can stop it because it's being run by an institution that has kind of lost its way, if you will. Uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of research done during past wars has been pretty nasty, but it's been fairly public and run by governments. So it, it's a interesting discussion, like I was saying, man. All right, that was a solid tirade. I'm getting, yeah, nothing as it was made public after the fact. Some of the stuff was made public during the fact, just made more public after the fact. Like it was well known within the people of that uh, industry or what have you, and then made 
public to other nations they were at war with afterwards. Fair, 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 fair. And Netflix says, no, the industry isn't public. That is also a good. So how does this tie into Gridcoin? Gridcoin is uniquely positioned in that it's built on top of a already existing infrastructure that is playing with stakeholders uh, before, well before cryptocurrency was ever a thing. Distributed computing is a system where uh, it's a decentralized system. It gets people involved in whatever's going on, even when you go back to distribute.net and the uh, GIMPs project. Uh, so blockchain is also built on that principle where you want to get the general public to have a stake in a system. Proof of stake in particular is built on this because you get past the hardware barrier, uh, particularly if you're able to do staking pools, etc., and cold wallets, cold staking. So uh, Gridcoin being positioned in such a way, already built on top of this, this infrastructure that's playing with stake, stakeholder principles, um, and being combined with blockchain, which is also playing with stakeholder principles, and on top of that, incentive funding or incentive structures, funding structures, uh, distribution structures, uh, and publication structures, and the idea of digital cash, which is really cool. Uh, Gridcoin can play a fairly significant role in this. And I have had discussions with people in the Gridcoin community who do not necessarily want to have such a focus on science. Uh, they're more interested in the distribution mechanism, the multiple incentive structures, uh, et cetera. Uh, but I, I honestly think someone else will do that before we do. I think our role could very easily be to be the scientific currency, uh, the scientific protocol, where we where we become a major player in decentralizing the scientific system. So as an example, just go to decentralized.science. Uh, this is a project funded by Europe. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are uh, several distributed computing infrastructures uh, being developed to compete with Boink, not directly compete with Boink, but they're based on blockchain that will compete with Boink at some point. Uh, there are several projects working to decentralize the publication and peer review process. Called uh, There's one called Pivo. Uh, there was another that was also right on the top of my head. Uh, not going to come up with it. But there are projects out there. If you look into it, oh, Knowledger, Knowledge R or something. Uh, is the other projects I have just floating around in my head. So if I did research into this, I would probably find several other projects at least working on uh, decentralizing the peer-to-peer -peer or peer review process particularly. And the most of them will probably talk about the rest of the scientific system like funding and expertise. Uh, so I have very little doubt that this new system of science will get built. It's For me, it's a question of whether or not Gridcoin wants to play a role in building it. Uh, personally think they should uh but that's up to the network at large and primarily the developers doing the code work so that's my two cents uh i yeah well i'll leave it at that i have thoughts there are there are other thoughts about if not that then what or um what else we could do but i really think the scientific edge is the edge we have over here because of the network we've already built and the brand we have built. So, and on that note, <laughs> we'll wrap up here. Uh, thanks everyone for coming by and uh, talking about interesting new scientific systems that again, will probably get built one way or another. Uh, looking forward to continue the discussion. Jump into the Gridcoin Discord if you want to just chat and talk about the stuff or come in next Thursday, 8 p.m. EST to talk live. We can have another discussion if people want to. Otherwise, we'll think of another topic. And as always, if you have ideas about how to build this stuff, feel free to PM me. Uh, I've got weekend exchange papers. Otherwise, have a great weekend, folks. We'll see you next week. And don't forget to start your taxes. Thank you.